Hey, hello, and welcome to Ask a Coach with Ngomu. My name is Al Wynant, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with author and coach Bentley Murdoch, and we're going to have a conversation about holism, and that's spelled with a W, starting with a W. Uh, if you're joining us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, or Facebook, feel free to put your questions in chat, and we'll try to address them here live during the show. If you're enjoying the show, click on the subscribe button in YouTube and you'll get notified when new episodes are available. Today, we are going to be discussing health-related topics. So the information we discuss is not a substitute for professional medical diagnosis or treatment. So follow up with your doctor before starting or making any changes to your healthcare routine. The advice we discuss here is not to be a replacement for professional medical care and seeking the advice of a qualified healthcare professional that's always recommended. So with that legal stuff out of the way, Bentley, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So today we are going to chat about holism, but before we delve into that, I'd love to learn a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a, a coach focusing on wellness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, both sides of my family going back you know, 200 years or so, we've been geared primarily around healing and wellness. I have two multinational corporations in our, our family tree. We had Nature's Way on one side of the family, and then on the other side of the family, we had Miller's Honey. So growing up, we had just this massive presence of awareness about food, awareness about medicine, using food as medicine, and always having a replacement for pharmaceuticals or medications and different approaches to alternative healing. So for me, I always felt like it was just a continuation of that. So I've been in the coaching space for about 25 years, focusing on addiction prevention and working with youth and families, and more so in the last 10 or so years, working specifically with nutrition and, and disease reversal, disease prevention. And I didn't realize until this weekend, I've been taking some of those supplements of your family's business for a long time. <laughs> it's like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> so I want to look it up. That's awesome. So you you are one of our Ngomo coaches and I'm launching your, your coaching community actually next week on April 5th. Um, tell us a little bit about the coaching community uh, on the app, what people are going to be coached on, what can they expect? Love to hear, love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm really excited. The, the focus that I have within the coaching community on Ngomo is all about disease reversal and disease prevention. And I'm calling it ease versus disease you choose because it, it empowers the individual to get back in the driver's seat and to realize that we can control disease symptom from showing up and we can also ask it to leave. And we can create the, the type of clearing or the type of fertile bedding soil, if you will, inside our bodies and inside our hearts and minds that either feed cancer cells, feed disease cells and feed viruses and bacteria and all these other things that cause mishaps in our body and, and keep the ease and flow of healing from going. Or we can be in a completely different trajectory if we choose it. So it reminds people that they can get back in, in that driver's seat and take charge of that wheel because a lot of people just think it's by default. They think it's genetic, they think it's hereditary or they, they they think that they're too far gone or it's irreversible. There's a lot of mental blocks and a lot of uh, stigma that comes with the whole disease demographic and the whole sick care industry. So my, my concept is to approach it with a holistic mindset that is multifaceted and puts the person back in, in the control center, being able to choose what it is that shows up for them. And for a lot of people, there's, there's these massive aha moments that come from these types of conversations. Thank you for sharing. We're looking forward to 
being there, I think next Wednesday, the 5th, um, when you have your first session. So um, you, I've dropped a word twice as we were introducing the show today, holism. So before we delve into that a little bit deeper, what's, um, what is it? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it's a word that a lot of people throw around and they don't necessarily attach the definition to the word. They just use it as if, oh, well, holism, it, it, means, uh, it means complete or it means uh, disconnected woo-woo crystal yoga alternative medicine, right? And everyone can define it differently. But the way that I've come to know it is it means the entirety of the person or the entirety of the healing or the completeness of, of the physical with the intangible all of the parts and pieces coming together that equal the individual. So for example, diving into to holistic nutrition, it taught me that there's a lot more that goes into nutrient density and it's not just about the food, it's about how you drink water and how much and, and sunlight and all of these other parts and pieces of vitamins and nutrients and minerals. There's a lot that goes into it. But even more so as I redefined it for myself, the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, it talks about the spiritual, the financial, the relational, the communicational relationship with your kids and your spouse, your partner, people at work. All of those parts and pieces are coming together to show what, what's needed or what's requisite for that whole entire person. So I love to refer people back to this mindset of keep, keep in mind that you have to be approaching it from a holistic perspective. And if we're not, then there are parts and pieces that are missing in that whole, that whole dance and exchange of trying to get back to a state of healing. And how do you how do you incorporate it into your into your daily life? For a lot of people, it's going to need to be customized specifically for them. Just like if someone were to say, "Oh, what's the perfect diet?" or mm -hmm. "What's the perfect exercise regimen?" It totally depends. It depends what our goals are. It depends what our our symptoms and pain points and ailments are. It depends what we have desire to do, and and it depends what we're willing to actually do. And all of those things factored in it's going to be very different from person to person. But just to give you an example, approaching life with a holistic lens would be walking into work, knowing that the way that I interact with my coworkers is going to affect the way that my workday continues. And then that's going to affect the way that I feel coming home and what I choose to bring home with me, which will then affect the way that I interact with my family, which affects my sleep, which then affects the way that I wake up the next morning. And it's all interconnected. Uh, another way of looking at it would just be tying a string from one part of your life to the other and then to the next and then to the next. And before long, you have this massive interconnecting web. And to be honest, all, all ships are able to rise or fall based on how that tide flows. And I think that's the, the overall concept is understanding that it's more of a water level thing. It's being able to rise the tide in all areas of our life and not just in one assuming that nutrition and exercise are going to fix everything. You could do really well with nutrition and exercise, but you're still missing all the other, these other pieces, if that makes sense. Sounds very familiar in how we approach coaching here at Ngoma. So we received some, some really great questions from our viewers. And if you um, are watching this live, feel free to add your questions as well to the chat, and we'll see if we can address them here. Um, during the live show or feel free to also add them in the comment section afterwards on LinkedIn, YouTube or Facebook. So the first question I have, uh, Bentley, is from Nancy in St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's like the lifestyle of partying and not taking care of myself in college and right after uh, are starting to catch up with me. So what do I do to reverse some of those effects? 
That's a great question. First of all, I applaud your transparency, Nancy, specifically being able to say that, hey, I recognize something's wrong or made a mistake here, or I did too much of this or too little of that. The most important piece, no matter what, in healing is just being able to be present and show up and say, I want something to change. I want something a little bit different. So the hardest piece is already out of the way. Knowing that that's there, you have that desire to work with. The next steps I, I would recommend would be start with the low-hanging fruit, the, the areas where you can have easy success with things, for example, like improving very simple things like hydration, um, correcting pH balance, adding in just a tiny bit of extra fiber and roughage through flax meal and chia seeds and hemp hearts and nut butters, maybe some more oatmeal and things like that. Back to the, the whole foods and the, the wholeness of um, just these very simple entrance doors of vitamin D from sunlight and fresh air and drinking a little bit more water, going to bed a little bit earlier. Some of those might resonate with you. Others might feel like it, it's too much to ask and it's rocking the boat too much. But if you're trying to find a way to just slowly ease into a, a more autonomic state of healing, it would be approaching those things that, that you can do pretty easily and that you can inject into your daily routine that doesn't rock the boat and isn't going to break the bank. Just simple um, simple swaps for this or replacement for that, or a little more of this, a little less of that. You don't have to go crazy and change your diet. It's more about these tiny little sustainable steps that can get us to, to a new plateau where we're thinking more clearly. And then we can tackle steps that are, that are even more profound and, and are going to have an even bigger impact, if that makes sense. I hope that's, that's helpful for you. The majority of, of what you're tackling, you've already done the hard stuff. You already have desire to change. So moving mm -hmm. forward, it's just going to be adding to it. And kind of a follow-up question, Bentley. The, you mentioned whole foods as part of this. Um, can you give a few examples? Yeah, exactly. Just like with holism in general, if you were to take uh, rice, for example, or any refined food, any refined grain, you can take whatever the store is offering or the, the highly processed product, and you can say, oh, this is grain, right? But it, it's not necessarily what Mother Nature intended. It, it's, it's part of it. It's the, the starch, but the complexity of what came from Mother Nature was the hole and the husk and the germ and, and the shell casing and the oil and everything in it that causes it to actually sprout into life. All of that was taken out so that they could increase the shelf life. It's the entire purpose behind that, mm. that business conglomeration that adds, adds value in their pockets, but takes away from the value that we get as the end user. So if it's something as simple as grains or rice, taking out all that good stuff makes it not whole anymore. So if we're returning back to a state of wholeness, it means that we're putting these things back. So if you're choosing brown rice over white rice, the nutrient density is like a thousand times, just worlds apart, obviously. If you were to choose something like uh, white potatoes over purple potatoes, again, nutrient density is just through the roof comparatively. So as we start to look at food and we find the little bits and pieces that have been taken out, ask ourselves, you know, why is it that Mother Nature intended for those to be there? And as we return back to a state of, of holistic approach with food, we'll notice that our body is just so much happier with that fiber and that roughage and the omega-3679 fatty acids that are found in all the stuff that they're taking out. All of a sudden, cooking and baking with whole grains, our joints feel better and our eyes function more properly. We have more myelin sheath casing and then our, our thinking is more clear we're able to show up a little bit more effective in a lot of ways simply because we returned back to a state of whole with the foods that we eat. 
I always thought it was very strange that um, people recommend you to take fiber, like I don't want to name any brands, but you know, add the fiber you put in a glass and stir, you know, mm -hmm. while you could just eat whole foods, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're all guilty of it. It's so easy to think if it comes from a bottle, it's reliable, right? It, it, it's in a pill, it, it must be effective, but it's just as effective to take your orange juice and look at it and say, why aren't I eating the whole orange? Correct. It's a great question. I'm going to grab a whole orange. And then when you eat that whole orange, you get that fiber and roughage and your body is saying, wow, thank you. I'm able to be more regular now because I have all the stuff that was normally taken out. But it's more it just about asking ourselves how we can get back to that, that state of wholeness. That tastes, that orange tastes so much better <laughs> anyway. So, it does. Uh, so question from Jamie in Abilene, Texas. So I want to live a life of wellness, but the challenge is, you know, the challenge I have is that my family doesn't really care all that much about it. I can't yet move out of the house, but I want to make an effort in, in a challenging environment. What can I do? Wow, that's a great question. A lot of people are in that same boat. And sometimes it's it's not necessarily the individual who's relying on mom and dad. It's It's vice versa. It's mom and dad trying to get the kids on board with it. And oftentimes there's this disparity. What do we do? Cook three dinners? And it, it gets really difficult at that point. But for you, what I would suggest is recognize which meals you you can be in charge of and volunteer to be in charge of a couple of others. You know, tell your parents, hey, I'd like to I'd like to be in charge of of X, Y, and Z breakfast, lunch of this week. This is what I'm gonna do. Are you okay with that? And you can start to introduce to them that these things actually taste really good and they're satiating and they're beneficial for these reasons. You can educate them a little bit, but maybe all it would take is a little bit of willingness to step into that role. And if they're not willing, it's totally fine. Let them do their thing. They'll come around to it eventually if they'd like to. But for you, there are probably things that you can do to distance yourself a little bit and to take on that, that ownership and that stewardship of knowing that I'm in charge of what I put in my body. If what mom and dad are providing isn't meeting the needs of what I want for my body, what do I need to do to make that possible? You know, Do I need to work smarter so that I can have more funds to then pursue this lifestyle that's more beneficial for my healing because if so then i'm sure there's time that could be carved out of weekend movie or social media time that could be put into something that would be creative and lucrative for you and then all of a sudden you have a little bit more to work with if that makes sense and there's also all of that time spent between meals where snacking on whatever it is you can be altering those and and having those be more beneficial for you which then makes a massive difference in in the just the general healing and wellness side of it um, but it's a great question. A lot of people kind of feel stuck in that way because they're reliant on whoever's buying the groceries. What you could do is just take ownership of that and, and start to volunteer to lean in and to, to offer your own funds to buy some of your own groceries. And I think that example is going to speak volumes because mom and dad are going to notice that and they're going to start making changes because I'm sure they respect your discipline in that way and they probably would like to adopt it for themselves as well. So lean into that a little bit and give yourself permission to, to treat yourself a little bit more like a tenant in a, in a home, renting a room, rather than it being, oh, I'm stuck and there's nothing I can do because they're in charge. You are in charge of what you put into your body and, and no one should be able to step in and force you otherwise. That's great advice. Um, Thanks. So Kai in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and hopefully I say that correctly, I apologize if I didn't, um, I'm pre-diabetic the advice I've received from my doctor is to monitor my carb intake and test. Is there anything I can do to possibly reverse the diagnosis or at least possibly prevent diabetes? Oof, 
That's a great question. Again, so many people are in this boat. And the most important thing I want to say is I'm so proud of you for being able to notice where you're at and that you want to stop it instead of saying, oh, I'm doomed. He said I'm pre-diabetic, which means I'm, I'm already on track to have diabetes. That means it's going to end me and I'm going to be one of those statistics. The fact that you're seeing it for what it is and you're saying, whoa, whoa, I, I want to stop this. I don't want to be full-blown diabetic and, and insulin dependent, having shots and then eventually losing a limb over it and all this stuff that could come from it. I, I just want you to really pat yourself on the back knowing that you are taking charge, knowing that there is something that can be done. And absolutely there is. If we were to look at it from the holistic perspective, we, we would give ourselves a little bit of time to focus on on whole sugars and sweeteners versus refined sweeteners. And we might take a moment to focus in on whole grains versus refined grains. And we might take a moment to dive down the rabbit hole of artificial synthetic uh, food-like substances versus whole foods and whole plants and whole fruits and berries and melons and things. Because for most people, they find that they wound up in the pre-diabetic boat because they had this this combination of, of influencing factors. And it wasn't just one or two things. It was like a dozen, you know, too many refined foods, too much highly processed, not enough water, not enough um, reliable sleep schedule, um, incredibly acidic or alkaline, pH balance is super off, all these things. And, and it, it's probably no surprise to those that are in that boat. They already know what they've done to get there. The, the work now is to try and get out of that. So the way that we get out is similar to the way that we got in. Slowly, a little bit over time, we, we allowed for these things and we allowed more and more of these things. So start to trim on those, start to trim away from the highly processed, trim away from the refined grains and the refined sugars. Start to lean into uh, dairy replacements, for example. I think a lot of people just get stuck in this wheel of too much mucus going on in them and too much bacteria and, and extra hormones and artificial and synthetic and and all these chemicals and pesticides and growth hormones and all the stuff that comes from the this megalithic food complex and it's not even food anymore it's just kind of food like stray from that back to a state of eating whole foods and you'll notice a massive change a lot of people in the pre-diabetic boat what they're noticing is if they start eating oatmeal in the morning with some berries in it and then they they lean into adding quinoa and, and black beans to to a salad or to whatever it is they're eating for lunch and dinner, start to add in a little here and take away a little bit of that, make these tiny little adjustments, which then cumulatively lift the tide in, in a huge way. And it doesn't have to rock the boat. It doesn't have to be some massive flying leap into veganism or, or going rotarian or, or going plant-based. It can just be tiny little bits and nuggets along the way that, that you know resonate with you and align with you and that you're ready for, and then moving forward with those. Um, but those primary, you know, dozen or so things that we touched on just now, I think if we make progress with each of those, we'll be able to get ourselves trimmed back away from pre-diabetic and to a state of our body is, is getting back to a state of healing because it finally has what it has needed all along. And for the most part, it's the absence of all those things that we didn't need in the first place. A great comment from uh, one of our viewers, love starting with little steps, the idea of replacing things and starting there. It's very realistic, but leads to lasting change. So that's, that's really great feedback as well. So um, thanks for, for sharing that this, this, uh, this afternoon. Um, can I in Portland, um, I live a fairly healthy lifestyle as it relates to eating and exercise. 
I am, however, stressed and anxious all the time due to work and life responsibilities. Is there anything I can do to create more balance and reduce my stress levels? Talk about holistic. Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. A lot of people in this boat of trying to perceive stress differently, they walk into it with a really initial mindset of stress is bad and I have too much, therefore it's going to end me. It, it's, it's a detriment in my life. And anything that's tough or hard or against the grain or any resistance or any, any difficulty, we just lump some of it into this massive pool of it's all stress and it's all bad. But my invitation to you would be turn that perspective around and give yourself permission to look at it like, yeah, some stuff is really hard and it's really tough, but it's also completely and entirely requisite for the job that I have or for my role as a mother or as a father or, or as a caregiver. There are certain things that we just need to do and there are certain responsibilities that come along with the job that we've chosen. And sometimes we just have to lean into it knowing that if I am a finely tuned instrument, which each of us are, I have to be able to lean back into the fact that I am going to be high strung on purpose. Because if I'm not high strung, I can't play those really brilliant notes and I can't harmonize with the other strings that are inside me and the strings of others. And I can't be a part of that symphony. So if I'm constantly trying to slack off, thinking that all pressure is bad, I will never perform. I'll, I'll never be able to show up with anything effective for anyone. So we have to kind of ask ourselves introspectively, what is a level of stress that is necessary and beneficial even? And what level is, is a level that's healthy for me that doesn't break me? Because I know there, there is a delicate balance there. If you, if you tighten those strings too tight, they will snap, mm -hmm. which is why it's so important to listen to ourselves and to ask ourselves, how am I doing right now? And what do I need right now? Because sometimes we really might need a five-minute break. And if we can't give ourselves that, then we might snap. We have to be honest with the reality of whatever's going on. My biggest suggestion first off is to realign stress perception and try and look at the majority of stress as not detrimental, but some of it is requisite and some of it is, is necessary to push us to the next level because that's what we desire. We're actually pushing ourselves out of a comfort zone and into a spotlight because we feel like we can actually be effective in that spotlight. But we have to be willing to embrace some of that that discord and that that angst we feel sometimes when we're about to speak in public or we're about to do something big or there's some unknowns. Usually we just perceive that as stressful and we just think that it's bad. Um, but try and convince yourself that the majority of it is good. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves responding physiologically very differently. We, we still might have our change in breathing and heart rate and everything's very heightened and there's still that rash climbing up our neck, whatever it is, the physiological responses are still gonna be there when we're super stressed out. But if we recognize that it's just our body preparing for the unknowns, then we can thank our body for responding in that way and tell our body that it's okay, I can handle this, I can do this, I've done this before, it's gonna be okay. And even being able to just reassure ourselves through it when we're feeling stressed out can completely turn things around. So the whole balance side of it is, is another conversation altogether, making sure that family life and work life are balanced. I think that the best secret there is to let the strengths of both bleed into each other. If you're a great mom at home and everything is functional at home, but you, you wish that you could bring that to work, bring that to work. Bring that effectiveness and that discipline and the organization, whatever it is that helps that to work so well, bring that to work and vice versa. Let them benefit each other. 
yet don't bring them into each other's lives and existences where, where they're depleting from each other. Don't be allowing your workday to bleed over into your family life and then take time away from your family. Be willing to set those boundaries so that they're they're not stealing from each other, if that makes sense. They're only leaning in to benefit one another. And I think in, in the presence of those two focuses, it allows us to get back to a state of embracing a, a healthy sense of stress and, and knowing that it's requisite, and also being able to lean in and let our strengths help our weaknesses, if, if that makes sense to you. It makes sense. And I, and I think it's so important to sometimes reframe that stress mindset into something. Yeah. So, um, Hadik, nice um, comment here. love the idea of use stress, if I say that correctly, and being aware of positive stress helping us move forward. So thanks, yeah. Teresa, for sharing that. Um, have a question that came in from one of our viewers live here. Mm -hmm. So any advice to give in preparation for a major surgery to support positive outcomes? That's a really good question. It depends on the surgery and it depends on what the outcome is that you want. But in regardless, any surgery is going to have a massive effect on the body. And it, it's going to demand from the body a lot of moisture for reparation. You're going to be using up your stores of zinc and magnesium really quickly. So there's certain supplements that you can be taking proactively, like zinc. Um, and magnesium, maybe a, like a liquid fluoridix iron builder supplement just to be helping calcium, magnesium, zinc, which is going to help your thyroid, help your hormone exchange. It'll help recovery be a little bit better for you. Um, the two first off, I would say that are most influential would be hydration and pH balance, because you're going to be, if you're under an anesthetic, your body's going to be working really hard to get rid of all that after the fact. And your body's going to be pushing and pulling a lot of fluids from all over in order to get the reparations done. And, and it's going to be an emergency mode to try and repair things because it knows that there's there's a foreign <laughs> there's a foreign item coming in and, and the skin's being ripped apart and things are happening down there, whatever it is that's going on. So you have to be able to supply your body with whatever it will need. And, and hydration and pH balance are so important to make sure all any and all fluids that are exchanging in there in order to make that reparation happen are optimal. So more so than your body weight in ounces every day. I, I would exceed that even a little bit more. But make sure that it's clean water. I'm not talking tap water. I'm talking like spring water, geyser water, the kind that isn't just filtered. Um, and with the pH balance side of things, you can do pretty well to, to just put yourself on a regimen of one to two tablespoons a day, which is going to automatically correct the extremity of pH balance in your body. And if it's not apple cider vinegar, it's wheatgrass juice or chlorophyll. And those are the only three liquids that I have, the only three substances that I know of that can auto-regulate pH balance in the body. And if you're not utilizing one of those every day, then it's very likely that your pH balance is off in some way. So just keep in mind that your body is, is this massive sack of water and we're just like a hot tub, just like a pool, and we have to balance those chems every day. So lean in with, with one of those three or, or all three if you can. Um, because you can't go wrong with using those. It will auto-correct whether you're extreme in alkalinity or extreme in acidity. So I would use those first and foremost, um, in addition to leaning into a blood panel, if you're able to get a blood panel done preventatively and just find out what you're deficient in and bulk up on those first so that you're going into it prepped and ready for the surgery to go well. Thanks, Bentley. You mentioned a pH balance a lot, you know, and adding some of those supplements. And how do you know what's the right pH balance for you, for you and how do you, how do you test that? Yeah, it, it can be tested a lot of different ways. There's really simple strips you can get. They're like a, a saliva swab strip or you can do a urine test for pH. 
and pH is going to be changing really, really quickly. It could change between 24 hours. You could have a full extremity of, of one end and then full extremity of the other end the next day because it's hinging on what you eat. Just like with, with a hot tub or a pool, you pour in certain liquids or certain chemicals mm -hmm. and the entire pH balance of that, that body of water changes and we're the same way. So if you were to lean in with something like um, apple cider vinegar, for example, you don't need to be regulating, oh, did I take too much? Or uh, it'd be kind of like asking, did I eat too many apples? You, your body's going to use whatever it is, and that kind of fiber and reference is going to be good for you. Um, there's a way of allowing your body to just check off certain items off your mental list, knowing that that my body can auto-regulate if I just give it what it needs. And mm. apple cider vinegar is just one of those really inexpensive, miraculous liquids that has the living enzymes in there that can help auto-regulate that, that pH balance. And it puts it back in that homeostasis point right around 7.2, 7.4, which is what your body wants to be. And the reason why it's so important is because if you're in that little zone, then all of the billions of filii in your intestines are actually absorbing the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals that you're eating and taking every day. But if not, then all of those things are just flushing right through you and it's a complete waste. And I think that's why it's so important, and not just for your vitamins and minerals, but also for the liquid that you drink. Some people are chronically dehydrated, even though they drink plenty of water, it's because they're not absorbing any of it. So in order for your absorption to be optimal, and even for some of these other questions with prediabetes and pre-surgery and all that, if we can correct pH balance, then all of a sudden the filii are open, the, the tissues are open, and the exchange of fluid in our bodies is optimal. So then everything can go everywhere it needs to go, including the oxygen and the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals. That's why it's it's such a huge part. It's it's something I bring up, I'd say top five, regardless of what the symptom or ailment is. Another question come in here online. What about alkaline water? Yeah, it's a really good question. Most alkaline waters that I've found, they they try and sell it as, oh, it's it's alkalines at 11 or, or 9 or they have this massive selling number attached to it and and it's great but what if you're already at an alkalinity extremity and you're making it worse and which then clogs your filii with more mucus and then you're backed up kind of like a like a hot tub would be when it's all green and then nothing is flowing properly and your body is really stuck that would be an extremity of alkalinity versus alkalinity on the versus um acidity on the other end that would be your your skin is dry and cracking and you're you feel acid reflux and burning and everything's falling apart, just like a hot tub or a pool would be if there's too much chlorine. So both extremities are, are going to show their, their own signs. But with alkalinity water, the reason why I steer away from it is because I've never found one that's actual spring geyser water to start with. It's just tap water and it's filtered. Yeah, but what are they filtering out that should stay in there? And what kinds of things are in there that the filter didn't catch? So if you're starting with tap water, it, it's not the greatest option, <laughs> regardless of what the alkaline number is or whatever whatever electrolytes they put in there, whatever they did to make it infused with berries. It doesn't matter. Start with the, the foundation of spring water or geyser water because Mother Nature put in there everything that should be there, including the B12 and the probiotic enzymes and all the good living stuff that's going to populate your gut and help with everything else that you're trying to tackle. And one of our listeners says, this is good information for auto-regulating your body. So um, thank you. So one more one more question from uh, our um, viewers we've received in advance. It's yeah. from Jose, I believe, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've recently become a vegetarian, and I want to make sure I get all the nutrients I need. Any suggestions? <laughs> Great question. A lot of people have that same question for those that are diving into veganism, or diving into rotarianism, or going plant-based. 
there's a lot of different diets out there that are incredibly specific and some very rigid and very difficult to go to. If you're, if you're living a typical American, standard American sad diet, it's going to be a really massive stretch to get there. And for a lot of us, as we start to lean towards eating more plants, we find that it's really difficult. How do we get the, the same amount of omega-3, 6, 7, 9 fatty acids? And how do we make sure we get enough HDL cholesterol? And how do we make sure that we're protecting our joints and we're getting enough B12? Because those are all the things that we're not going to be getting uh, as much of, clearly, if we're changing drastically mm -hmm. our diet in that direction. So the thing that I like to mention first off with altering diet drastically is why are you altering the diet? Because some people would say, oh, and it's for the animals or it's for disease prevention or it's because I have cancer or because I'm trying to prevent diabetes. Whatever your reason is, attach yourself to the parts of the diet that you're looking into that align with that reason and just take those because there might be parts of whatever diet you're looking at, vegetarianism, for example, someone let's say someone's stepping into vegetarianism who is also lactose intolerant, bad idea, because they're going to allow themselves to have a whole bunch of dairy and it's totally fine. It's green light item, right? But if they're lactose intolerant, then they're just going to be clogging their system with a bunch more mucus while eliminating a lot of the things that, that used to offset that and actually help them beneficially. So whatever your reasoning is and, and whatever your passions are that they're coming on the back end, let those drive you and let those push you into research about where you can get the things that you're going to need in order to make sure that your that your massive apothecary wall inside you of jars are all full from b12 to zinc to calmag and all the other things and vitamin d and the hormones exchange and the thyroid support all of those beakers need to be full so just make sure that you're finding ways of supplementing if you're not getting them through your food ideally we want to be getting as much of our vitamins nutrients and minerals through our food but if we have to supplement, just make sure that you're choosing the best options for supplementation. And it, it's been kind of fun and, and humorous at the same time, coming from this massive background of medicinal, you know, herbal supplementation in my family, and then finding myself at a turning point where I'm not even recommending those products anymore because I don't believe in them, the fillers that they use. So then I'm turning to other companies that, that do a better job because I'm all about optimal, best, highest quality. And we have to do the same for ourselves and for our families. So lean in and look at whatever the diets are that are offered and just keep in mind that there is no such thing as a diet that works for everyone. It does not exist. And there's no protocol that's going to be perfect for everyone. The greatest advice that I've found um, was penned by Michael Pollan, phenomenal author. And he yeah. said, eat food, mostly plants and not too much. And it, yeah, it's overly simplified, but at the same time, it's so brilliant. You know, eat food that's actual food, you know, less of the boxed, highly processed stuff and make sure that it's mostly plants. Can you still leave room for some animal products? Yeah. Listen to your body, be intuitive about it and find out what you need. Get a blood panel and look into the supplementation and not too much. Or maybe eat more because you're trying to gain muscle and then we can factor in all the customizations, but keep it flexible and try not to try not to align with the rigidity of a, of a strict diet that's keeping you from the cravings that are there because your body is speaking to you. Lean into what it is that your body knows that it wants and allow it to have some of those things as you do research about why you're craving those things. And it'll be a really fun journey for you. Thank you for sharing, Bentley. Thank you everyone for sharing your questions um, either before the program or during the program here today. Thank you for doing that. Uh, so Bentley, so what's your, what are your, what are your top 10 easiest places to start at home to reverse disease symptoms? 
Good question. I, I think some of the few things that we've touched on already, and I'm always so, I'm so OCD and so over the top about things like hydration and pH balance, I'm always going to be circling back around to those because once those are optimal, then our sleep changes and the way we react changes and how we show up for others changes. So I would say those would be at the top. Um, drinking more closer to our body weight in ounces every day of spring water would probably be my first one. I would say pH balance correction with apple cider vinegar and or um, chlorella and chlorophyll and or wheatgrass juice would probably be number two. Um, some of the other things that would follow would be just correcting your breakfast routine. You know, looking into why it is you do what you do in the morning and removing caffeine and removing coffee and starting to swap in some other things like mud water, cachava, or some of these other awesome products and being able to make room for oatmeal, make room for hemp hearts and chia seeds and nut butters and nutso butter and some of these things that, that can step in with a massive amount of HDL cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol, and a bunch of roughage and fiber, a bunch of healthy fats, and a ton of protein from the best sources. So if we start our day with that, we're setting ourselves up for, for an awesome day of reparation and healing, especially for those that are that are noticing they're heading towards pre-diabetic or if they already if they're already battling cancer, if they've already got gut issues, other things. If we can correct the the tail end of that cleanse and detox process that our body's trying to do every night and finish it up with a bunch of really awesome fruit and berries and melon in the morning, and then follow that up with with a really hearty breakfast of oatmeal with a lot of protein from nut butters and things. That's the kind of stuff that sets us up for a really, really great day. Because if we eat in that way for breakfast, I promise you that your lunch and dinner are going to follow a little bit more healthy in that direction just by default. So those would be the, the first primary things I'd touch on. Others that I think are right in line with that would be just make sure you're getting more dark berries, more pigmentation, um, more microgreens, 70 times nutrient density than the adult version are these tiny little sprouts and you probably see them in the grocery store a little a little container of sprouts and they're i don't know 10 12 bucks and you're thinking oh my gosh that's so expensive but if you knew the potency and if you knew that they really are 70 times more potent with those vitamins nutrients and minerals you would look at that and you'd say whoa this is way cheaper than the pharmaceuticals i'm taking i should be doing this instead and instead of just swapping out one for the other take something like microgreens and dark berries while working with your, your healthcare provider and your doctor to find out what you need to do to change those numbers inside you so that your meds can be adjusted. Because I promise you that those adjustments can be made if we lean into giving our body what it needs the, to address the roots of the issues. And that's these types of things, roughage, fiber, omega-3, 6, 7, 9 fatty acids, dark berries, dark greens. It's gonna be the same list that any holistic nutritionist is gonna give you. It's just a matter of implementing it. If that makes sense. So those those would be the first few. The others might be more intangible. For example, leaning into desire-based recreation, making sure that it's something that I want to be doing, make sure I'm implementing in movement um, and that it's something I enjoy. And even better if I'm doing it with other people and and it becomes this, this social thing. And maybe it's like a walking group or, or a certain sport that you're mm -hmm. playing, just wrestling with your kids or jumping on the trampoline with your grandkids. There's so many things we can be doing that are actually really fun. And if we start doing those, it allows for that flow and that rush within us to improve circulation and decrease hypertension, help heal our hearts and do all these kinds of things that, that keep us from dementia and Alzheimer's and, and keep the stroke from showing up. There's a lot that can be done there. And it's these simple changes, these simple little lifestyle uh, baby steps that we can be implementing. Um, stress perception, like we talked about, and then just playing more, being 
being more quick to laugh at ourselves when we make mistakes, being more lighthearted, being more carefree, giving ourselves a break more often, going easier on ourselves, giving ourselves permission to step away from everything and turn everything off and go, go sit in the grass for five minutes and just go breathe. If we did that more, we would be healthier as, as, as a nation. There's so much missing with these tiny little pieces. And we just think that, that we don't deserve it or we're not worthy of it or, or it's going to be a waste of time or I don't have time for that or my boss won't let me. There's all these excuses and reasons. But if we set boundaries and if we demand high quality for ourselves with the food we eat and within our lifestyles, we'll start to make these changes that are, that are actually sustainable because we made them gradually and we were realistic about our process into them. So those would be just some of the things that I would really dive into as far as like the first dozen to tackle. And we don't have to do them all at once. We can just find a couple and then add a couple more the following week and just make it a, a slow, gradual, sustainable process. I'm with Joyce on this one. I'm loving my microgreens. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. And they are. They are so full of life. And once you start into that, and there's just so much more to learn and so much more to do. So true. So Bentley, what's the one thing I should have asked you I didn't today? Good question. Um, honestly, I would say the, the number one culprit, because that's usually what people ask. Like, what's the worst thing that I'm probably doing that I shouldn't be doing? Um, and in, within that conversation of what, what are the biggest culprits, I think we touched on it a little bit with the excess dairy and highly processed and all these other things. Um, honestly, I would say with that demographic of, of number one culprits, the, the artificial synthetic avenue of getting all these things, petrochemicals and heavy metals and things into our bodies through the food that we're eating and through the highly processed things we're eating, definitely right up there with the artificial synthetic colorings and dyes and fragrances um, and hand in hand with the excess highly processed dairy. I think those, those three things working in concert together are, are the majority of the downfall of what America is up against right now. Heavy metal toxicity, artificial synthetic petrochemical toxicity through all of our bathroom products and everything we breathe all day long and everything we, we bathe our skin with, which 80% of it soaks into us, in addition to all of the highly processed, just laden with hormones, some artificial synthetic and the pesticides and fillers and bulkers and growth hormones and all that coming through the dairy industry. And all of that working together, it shows up in our body and our body says, 100% of what you just gave me, I cannot use. And I now have to utilize all my resources to get rid of it. Thanks a lot. I'm totally bogged down and, and I'm now stuck. I just have dozens of trash cans full of stuff that I have to get rid of and I don't know how I'm going to get rid of it. Super bogged down. And then you find yourself not able to sleep properly because your body is trying frantically to do that cleanse and detox process. And it's just not happening because we're, we're too overloaded with these things. So that, that would be my biggest, because that's usually what people lead in with. Like, what are the worst things that I should be not doing, <laughs> which I'm probably already doing and I can start trimming on those. It would definitely be those. Thank you for sharing that. And um, so if you want to learn more, join Bentley's coaching community here at Ngomu. And Maureen says, sounds like a great coaching community uh, starting next uh, Wednesday, I think that is, April 5th. So come come learn about that. So um, you are a reminder that you are watching Ask a Coach with Ngomu. And my name is Al Wynant. And today I am speaking with author and coach Bentley Murdoch. Uh, you can catch us also on replay every day on Ask a Coach with Ngomu on Pacific, um, uh, 
sorry, at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. Pacific time on Radio Futures. My goodness, I can't talk today. Uh, so <laughs> catch the show there if you didn't catch us live as well on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So as we close out, Bentley, we love to do one of our 10 uh, questions rapid fire uh, style sort of interview here too. So I'm going to delve into that. You ready for that? Absolutely. So who's your biggest inspiration and why? Mm, I'd have to say Earl Nightingale, um, one of the, the pioneers of radio and just a really phenomenal voice in radio and, and all about personal development. Um, one, of my, one of my top five mentors of all time. If you haven't listened to Earl Nightingale, definitely check him out. He's, he's on Spotify as well. And his, his entire life was just dedicated to helping people mm. figure out their life and to make improvements with it in a sustainable way. Just such a powerhouse. What brings you joy? What brings me joy? Wrestling with my boys. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite memories with my dad as well. So oh, yeah. um, what was your first job ever in your life? Did you enjoy it? And what was your biggest takeaway from it? Yeah, my first real job. I had a lot of jobs with family businesses and things with, with Miller's Honey and with Nature's Way and with a lot of businesses my dad did as an entrepreneur. But my first real job outside of my family was actually at Taco Bell. <laughs> so go figure. I learned a lot while I was working at Taco Bell, realizing, wow, this is actually one of the better options in the fast food industry. But still, I, I had a lot of awakenings about what actually goes into the food and in the fast food industry. And, and it really just galvanized everything I'd learned as a kid about what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be eating. So it was a really fun place to start. And I look back and, and laugh at that, that that's where I started. <laughs> <laughs> what does your morning routine look like? <laughs> my morning routine um, this morning, I'll give you my morning routine this morning. We hopped in the hot tub, my boys and I, um, and we spent some time just eating frozen mango. And then we finished it up with the oatmeal that I described with the, the hemp hearts and the, the nutso butter and the chia seeds and flax meal. Um, that's a pretty pretty standard routine. We do that almost every single morning. We start with some fresh fruit in the morning. Um, we do our little morning routine. We do some cold plunge and hot tub. Um, and being able to connect in that way with my boys and start the day instead of it being, oh, we all slept in, we're in a rush, and then we don't get to connect. I'm, I'm a huge fan of being able to connect with family in that way. I think that's just as important as the whole nutritional side of things. So being able to meet those two needs are always first and foremost for us when we start the day. That's fab. Uh, what's one of the craziest things you've ever done? Craziest thing I've ever done. Um, I think for, it's not crazy for me because I love it, but jumping out of an airplane, I think most people don't, don't consider that as an option for themselves. But um, I've got a dozen jumps under my belt, and I, I, love the, I love the stress and the anxiety and the spontaneity and the unknown and the way that it, it just excites and, and enlivens my whole soul. I love jumping off things. Um, that was probably up until that point. That was the craziest thing that I'd done. Um, but I, I, I love, I'm a thrill seeker, I guess. So there's a lot of fun things that I love to do that, are, that might be a little bit more like a <laughs> death defying and um, dangerous. Um, but I think that that's probably within that demographic for sure. What's your fondest childhood memory and why? Fondest childhood memory. Um, I have a lot of really fond memories with my, with my parents. Um, I was really connected with my parents because they were they were very present. Um, they were great examples, and I think the the greatest memory that I could share would probably be my mom carrying me on her back out to the beach. I grew up in Hawaii, and I was born with a, a bone disease that caused one of my legs to not grow. 
And so I had to wear this awkward brace. It was like Forrest Gump style. And she would carry me out to the beach every day. And it's just a, the, a really tender connection with my mom every day. And then I'd spend hours and hours swimming out in the ocean so that my leg could heal. And miraculously it did because I was able to give my body what it needed. Um, but that, that connection every single day back and forth of being carried by my mom is just very symbolic of, of how a parent is willing to show up regardless and carry regardless. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a deep, deep, tender one for me. That's sweet. What's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? Mm, good question. The most important lesson in my career would probably be the fact that you can step in with all of the power tools and all of the information and all the knowledge and wisdom, but the person receiving it will not be able to take any of it in unless they're ready to, unless they have willingness and desire to. So even if I show up really ready and willing and I've got all the right things to say and I have all the right books and resources and things, it is completely worthless if the individual is not willing to embrace it and to recognize that they need it and, and actually be open to it and to hear it and receive it. Um, for me, that was a massive takeaway when I actually did learn that and it sunk in because it taught me how important for us as coaches, how important motivational interviewing is to be able to just listen and, and then reflect back to the person what they're saying and to find little nuggets of desire and passion and lean on those and guide the conversation. And it's all about compassionate neutrality. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me as a coach is learning that if I don't have compassionate neutrality to just embrace the individual at the desire level they have currently, I will never be able to help them. What's the one thing you do every day that adds to your success? One thing I do every day that adds to my, my success, I would say um, it would have to be geared around the connection that my wife and I have with our kids because for me, my number one language is, is physical connection, being able to tangibly you know, connect with my children, to wrestle with them, to hug them, to hold them, and to help, help them get ready for the day. Whatever that connection looks like, for me, that is just pivotal to my soul, and I need that, that connection. Um, and it's also just confirmation for me that I'm, I'm doing the right things at, at, at the right time in the right way. And it's proof to me that I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be because I'm starting the day that way, and I'm sending my kids off in the right way. And doing it there, present with my wife, it just it helps me feel like I can I can now tackle anything because I I already took care of the most important thing that I will ever do today is already done, and and if I get more of that connection later on, even better. But it's never like a late at night realizing oh I I didn't tell my my wife or my sons that I love them yet I didn't connect with them yet that never happens. So for me, I feel like. That's, that's the one thing I make sure that I, I put into my schedule as I'm mapping out my day mentally, first and foremost, because everything else is different if I don't have that when I start the day. Now, I'm a little bit afraid of the answer that this question may get, but what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever eaten? Well, I survived two years in Mexico, so... I've eaten a lot of interesting things. I, I've had cow testicles and cow intestines and cow tongue and, and animal hearts and things. Um, those would all be roped up into that demographic for sure. Um, I've also been on a survival trek where we ate crickets and grasshoppers and sauteed them up over, over a, a bow drill fire. I mean, there's, there's a few things that have come and gone that, that I was a little bit resistant to at first, but then as I'm eating them, I'm realizing that there are cultures all over the world that are easy, eating these kinds of things every single day. And it's just how it's been for them. So for me, it's kind of a cultural experience. Mm -hmm. And I love new things. I love getting outside of my comfort zone. And I love I love switching things around. And 
and showing up and meeting new people and doing different types of things. So for me, I'm, I'm always open to it. Um, and I, I would love to go to more countries and more cultures and experience those kinds of things. But yeah, Mexico is an interesting one. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. So please finish the statement. Leadership is. Mm, good question. I would say leadership is finding that place within you where you're able to give in a way that nobody else can give that resonates with people and drives them to do the same for themselves, to find that they have the capacity to lead others in a way that I wouldn't be able to lead because they bring something to the table that's unique to them. I think if, if I dial that in as a leader, um, it would be the, the epitome of success for anyone who's seeking a role in leadership or trying to, trying to embody leadership into those that, that they're training or coaching. Um, leadership it, for me is all about being able to equip others with the capacity to then lead others, the whole, the whole perpetuation maintenance. And if we can dominate that, then I, absolutely we are in a status of leadership. Thanks Bentley for sharing. Thanks for, for answering the questions of our viewers and listeners. So yeah. if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, we just went live with our, our brand new website, customcoaching.com, and we're getting we're still working on that, getting it all dialed in. Um, but the majority of the focus has always been with customcoaching.com, with the .com written out, customcoaching, D-O-T-C-O-M. Those are our social media handles. So being able to post videos that are addressing tough questions with solution-oriented answers on Rumble, because it's very likely that I'll get shut down on YouTube pretty soon here. Um, and then through the social media channels as well, whatever social media channel you use, um, we're going to be expanding more in that direction. Um, but more recently, just being able to really funnel people into the direction of getting to know Ngomu and, and seeing that in the same way that people say there's an app for that, Ngomu can say that there's a coach for that. Because we really do have a massively robust community of coaches that then have their own communities that are very fine-tuned and very niche so that then the, the individual can customize exactly what it is that they want to work on with a team of coaches. And I've never seen anything like it, to be honest. And I've seen a lot of companies out there that have tried the whole digital online coaching algorithms and, and predictive texting and AI bots and things. But for Ingomu to step in with that super genuine human connection and to maintain that and to not let technology get in the way, but to help enforce it and to make it fly, it's, it's one of the most valuable avenues that I feel like coaches have access to right now. And I'm so excited to help it, to help it reach more people. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me here today. And if you're watching live, thanks for being here live. If you're watching this on demand, feel free to add your questions to chat and we'll see if we can answer them as well. Um, we are going to be back next Monday at 1 o'clock Mountain Time live with Carly Ward. And we'll be talking about motherhood, which will be a very interesting interview for me um, as part of that. So do send us your questions in advance via Facebook or LinkedIn or send us a note at contact at ingomo.com. And we'll see if we can answer those questions live on the air as well. So Bentley, it was a pleasure speaking with you today, learning. And, for, and thank you for sharing all your expertise with us. I really appreciate that. Um, well, thank you for your time. It's such a pleasure. You're very welcome. And thanks, everyone, for watching us live. And thank you also for watching us on demand later. Make it a fantastic day, and we'll see you again soon. Right on. Thank you.